Welcome to Grace Point Church. Today is the uh, special day in the church calendar. It's Pentecost Sunday, the birth of the church, which started almost 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. And today we're uh, able to get in and study the Word of God, uh, thinking about many things. Welcome to, to those of you who are not our regular guests or regular attenders. We welcome you here. Those of you who are part of our church, I wish I could see you and actually hug you in person. That'd be very nice. But we're doing the best we can to worship God together on this Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. So we want to begin our time today with uh, worship time. And we have Dave Gossett, the chairman of our elder team, with us to pray. Hello, Grace Point and guest. It's so good to be together today. And so let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, you are such a great God, and we are here to just uh, acknowledge that today, and we praise you for your greatness, for your love for us, for your kindness, for your uh, mercies, and, uh, and we just uh, thank you for your church. Uh, thank you for this day that we can c commemorate the birth of your church. It was a institution, it is your institution, that was begun on a certain day and will end on a certain day in the future, but uh, here in these days, uh, the church is your vehicle for just expressing your love and your grace and your greatness to the world. And I thank you for Grace Point and uh, each member. And we know that uh, there are many things going on in all of our lives. And I just pray that uh, we would just all be close to you, that we'd be uh, just mindful of you, we'd be uh, comforted, we'd be encouraged by these words today that they would be received and you would use them um, for your purposes and so we just uh, uh, thank you that we can be here together even though we're virtually together and uh, we thank you for this day too that we can uh, remember the veterans especially that uh, gave up their lives for us your country and uh, just uh, thank you that we have this country that we have freedoms to worship you and uh, we just acknowledge that you are the giver of these things and all things that we enjoy. So we just uh, thank you for these things and pray in Jesus' name. Well, last Sunday, we uh, began a short study in the book of Hebrews and talking about admonishment to public worship. And that is found in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And the scripture, the reading of the scripture today will be done by Kelly Clear and uh, pay special attention to the reading of the word as we worship God together. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. This is the new life-giving way that Christ has opened up for us through the sacred curtain by means of his death for us. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's people, let us go right into the presence of God with true hearts fully trusting him. For our evil consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Without wavering, let us hold tightly to the hope we say we have, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. 
Think of ways to encourage one another to outbursts of love and good deeds. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. Thank you very much, Kelly, for that uh, scripture reading. It is a powerful word of God, and we get to learn how to worship God through the scriptures. Last week, I began this uh, little short mini-series on the reasons to worship, which are found in Hebrews 19 there. In verses, verse 19, it says, we worship because we have boldness to come before the throne of God. And second, we, we come because we have a great high priest who is seated at the right hand of God in heaven, and we can worship and come to the high priest to be together. So today, moving on further into the passage, we want to look at three commands found in these verses. And I tried to shorten them down here. First of all, let us draw near, let us hold fast, and let us consider. And you notice I have it in yellow there, the us. It's quite the type of a command that we don't normally see in the New Testament. It's there a number of times, but this is a special one. In the Greek, uh, they have two different ways of giving a command. One is the imperative, which we have in English, uh, just command somebody to eat your ice cream or whatever. Uh, that's one, but it's, it's a direct command. And the other is called a hortatory command, which you probably have never heard of that word, but it's in Greek textbooks if you ever study it. And it's a way to say something in a more roundabout way, maybe more polite way, uh, less uh, direct way. And when you think about imperative commands, then you make direct commands, and sometimes you make requests when you're actually commanding God, when you pray to God sometimes. And the Greek imperatives used to uh, communicate something that directly comes out, it's authoritative, and then it's expected to be responded to. So a person's volition is involved. Will or will they obey or will they not do that? So it has that idea, you do this, you go there, you have this. Second is a hortatory command. And this type of command enjoins the listeners or the recipients of the command to join the commander. The one is giving the command to go do something together. So the commander asks the per tells the persons to come with him or her to go do something. And we usually translate it into let us do something or that. And today I have an illustration uh, here that Tobin and his children are going to do. First of all, they're going to do the imperative command. So Tobin, why don't you show us what an imperative command looks like? Okay. Ransom, Vivian, put these pens away. Now, show us what a hortatory command looks like. Okay. Vivian Ransom, let us put away these art materials. Vivian, let us put away these art materials. Good job. High five. Well, that's good. There's a difference between saying, you do this, kind of pointing your finger and let us do that. The speaker has a different posture. 
And in our text here, the first command that is given in verse 22, it says, let us draw near. But it doesn't actually say draw near to where or to whom. We kind of have to put that in the text. That's why I have it in brackets. It is definitely to God, but we are not sure from the text uh, given directly there. What is it? It's a command, draw near. But it's not a direct imperative command. It's let us draw near. So we have here the author who could be Paul. He is talking to the Hebrew Christians in Hebrews church there. And he is putting himself right with them and saying, me too, let us draw near to God. He's not just standing up from the pulpit, coming down, you go near to draw near to God, but let's us draw near to God. Now we got to think a little bit about the context again. Last week I talked a bit about it. Hebrews was likely written before 70 AD when Titus, a Roman general, came in and destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. So it could be around 68 AD when this text or the book was written. And Nero, has, he died in 68. So under Nero, there's a lot of persecution all over the Roman Empire, some places more than others. So we have a, a sense here of Paul talking to mainly Jewish Christians and in a, maybe a general context of persecution widespread in the Roman Empire. And he said, let us draw near to God. And then he gives us the motive. Well, what kind of a motive do you come near to God? Well, come near to God with a sincere or genuine, truthful heart. And that's what that text brings out very clearly is come before God. Draw near to God with a good heart. How do we worship? We worship in spirit and in truth, right? John says that. And so we use that as our method. I mean our motive. Now what kind of a, of a method do we come? We come in a method or come in a spirit of faith. And actually it's confident, bold faith is what the text says. So we don't come, oh, I'm a fearful coming into God's presence, going to Jesus. No, come before the throne of grace boldly so you may receive help in time of need. So he's telling us, draw near to God with a truthful heart as well as in confident, bold faith go to God's presence. Now, we have the picture beginning in verse 19 of temple worship or tabernacle worship. And last week, I put up on the slide a number of slides where it has the, the altar there on the outside, out, outer court, and then we have right in the inside the holy place, and then there's the veil, the red curtain that we had there, and then the very center part was the Holy of Holies, called the holy place. There, it, it's talking about this metaphor of worshiping, and for them, for these believers, they weren't going to worship in the temple uh, or the, the, that was there, but they are going being challenged to worship God who is sitting in his throne room. So the high priest would prepare himself to go in. And once a year he prepared himself. Outside, he did a number of things. So uh, Evangeline, are you there by any chance? And you see this picture of the temple there. Can you show everybody where the bronze altar is located? Yeah, it's not on the inside, but it's on the outside. And that's where all the animals are brought and sacrificed right there. And their blood actually 
the high priest, if he's going to go in once a year to the Holy of Holies there, then he would take blood from the sacrifice animals and then he would go uh, to the next part is the laver cleanse himself he cleanses himself actually a number of times wash his feet ten, ten times and his hands ten times during that day and then he would go inside the actual holy place right there but right there remember okay if you can show him there's a table of showbread can you show him that evangeline and then the menorah or the lampstand where it has those candlesticks there. Then he would go, he keeps on moving. He's getting closer to the veil. He goes up to the altar of incense where he would, one hand he would have the blood from the bull or the, the animal, the rams that were sacrificed in his hand. Other hand, he would have incense. Then he goes through, can you show him the veil, that red curtain again? So he is drawing near to God. One on the Day of Atonement, the Yom Kippur, once a year, the high priest would prepare himself, prepare his sacrifice, and then move into the veiled area. Now he spreads the veil apart, and he goes into the Holy of Holies. Can you show him that, uh, please, Evangeline? Inside the Holy of Holies is the most sacred thing, is the Ark of the Covenant. On top of the Ark of the Covenant, remember, is called the Mercy Seat. It's called propitiation area right there, where the mercy of God would accept and where the sprink, they would sprinkle the blood of the sacrificed animals on that right there. So that's what they would do. Now, thank you very much, Evangeline. That was good. I appreciate it. Today, each one of us who have believed in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're a child of God, we're at the same time we are a priest. In fact, we are called royal priests. We belong to the priesthood of the believers. Every believer in the world, that's Evangeline, Ransom, Vivian, you know, older people like me, we're all, whoever's believed in Jesus, we're a part of the priesthood of God. And it's one of our bottom line fundamentals of our Orthodox faith faith is that the priest of the believer, meaning every believer, no matter how old we are, can go directly into the presence of God and receive help and communicate personally with God there. We are a royal priesthood chosen by God. So think about this, the high priest, how he prepared the sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed himself. And this text tells us very clearly in verse 22 here uh, uh, let's see yeah verse 22 we're going in we've prepared ourselves our hearts have been sprinkled been cleansed in the labor we've been the labor representing we've been baptized into christ we're now clean all all pure now using and, and enjoying the blood of christ we can go in through the veil that was rent in two by Jesus to the very Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat there, the propitiation area. Our sins propitiated God. We're propitiated by the blood of Jesus. They, Jesus' precious blood satisfied the Holy God's requirement. For the wages of sin is death. Jesus had to die. He shed his blood. His blood was, so to speak, it says it was sprinkled 
in that Ark of the Covenant, on the mercy seat of God. He cleansed us from all sin. He paid for all sins. The mercy seat, the propitiationary, God was propitiated. He is fully satisfied with Jesus' beautiful, wonderful sacrifice. And we are the minor priests. We all come because the high priest Jesus went before us, set it all up for us. Jesus now is seated at the right hand of God, and we get to be priests going right directly to talk to God. What a wonderful opportunity. Especially in this time of COVID, we can go to God and have such a beautiful, wonderful high priest praying for us and working with us. The second command is found in verse 23. It says, let us hold fast. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope here without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So in this text, again, let us, it's not the, not the speaker saying you hold fast the confession, but let us hold fast the confession. So the speaker, he apparently felt the need for himself along with the parishioners, the church members. Yes, we should all hold fast to this confession. And the confession is a confession of hope. So here I have three things that are listed that the believer's hope. First of all, the believer's hope is in God. So we know this from the context before and after here. There's talking we draw near to God and our hope is in God. He is the firm one, the triune, only one God. Jesus, the, Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, all three in one. The second, secondly, the believer's hope is in the Bible. Orthodox doctrinal faith system. That's what we believe. And at Grace Point, if you go in, into our website or, or pick up uh, the, uh, our faith doctrinal statement on the outside of the, in the foyer of the church, you can see this is what we believe. And it follows for 2,000 years, Orthodox Christianity. We believe in these very basic fundamental things. The believer's hope is in a third area, actually, that we find in this text, actually in the verses 25, the believer's hope is in Jesus' second coming, the rapture, in this specifically in this case for the church. The church was started there on Pentecost, and one day soon, Jesus is going to come down in the air, and we are, the church is going to meet him in the air, and will ever be with the Lord. And that is a glorious day. We're awaiting that day that's coming here. We hold fast to our confession. Some of your texts probably say profession, and it really doesn't talk about your testimony per se, though that's part of it. But it's talking about, we believe this, we believe that. This is the word of God, we believe these things. And we have a couple of songs actually we sing about this. And the holding fast here, in these there are three texts, uh, one in 1 Timothy 1.19, 1 Timothy 3.9, 2 Timothy 1.13 is talking about holding fast the faith with a good conscience. 3.9 says holding fast the mystery of the faith. 1.13 says holding fast the form of sound words, sound doctrine is what that means right there. What a wonderful thing. In 1950, a brother in Christ was put in prison in China. His wife and uh, children are my friends and he was witnessing 1949, the Chinese communists took over China and he was a bold witness for Jesus. And then and they told him to stop witnessing and he wouldn't. He, they put him in jail. And when he was in jail, he witnessed while he was in the cell every day, uh, he would witness. Pretty soon, they kept telling him, don't witness. And then pretty soon, they put him in solitary confinement. 
So every day when they brought him food, he would witness to the uh, all of the policemen of the prison guards. And finally, they took him out and executed, shot him in the courtyard uh, for his faith. He was holding fast his conviction. He was holding fast his confession of faith. He was holding to Jesus and the doctrine that Jesus stands for and represents. Third is let us consider one another. Now again, another let us. So we have three heads of, of iceberg lettuce, you could say. Let us. The writer the, of this book, he is putting himself right there. Let us consider. This means to think really carefully. Really put your mind to it. Put your heart into it. Don't just gloss over something, but really focus on, put your mind on someone or something to, to do it. And it's about one another. The object of the consideration are people, one another. And there are three areas that I think of we need to be fixing our, our consideration keenly upon. Persistence. And the reason I say that is all three of these commands. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast and let us consider are all present imperatives, present commands. That means keep it up. You're doing it and keep it up. Thankfully, they weren't negative commands, which means you better stop this. You're not doing the right thing. Persistence. Keep it up. Don't stop. Intentionally. When we think about other people, then we need to really put our hearts into it and think about it. Now, what are they like? What are their needs are? What are they experiencing right now? We need to be thinking about that and proactive. We shouldn't be passive. When it calls us to consider other people, then we don't wait for them to do, have response to something. We think ahead of time and we try to figure out what will they need, what will help them the best. When it says, let us consider, our text there in verses 24 and 25 bring out three things. First of all is how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Now this word stimulation is kind of stir up or initiate or ignite is kind of that idea there is to get in there. In some ways, like I've done that many a time while raising my four boys, I would stimulate them to anger. <laughs> That's a negative thing. I shouldn't do that, but I did. But that's the word stimulate. I can egg them on and get them to do that kind of thing. But the word stimulate in this context is meant positively. We figure out how we can get our brothers and sisters to, to do something to encourage them to love people more, love God more, to do things that are in the power of the Spirit and helping other people that are for good, love and good deeds. So we figure things out that are helping others. Second, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some. So here is a negative. And apparently there were people in this congregation that were not regularly meeting in church or the worship services or small groups or whatever. Forsaking. That word is a very strong word, actually. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why are you forsaking me? Same word, forsaking. Oh, that was, that's terrible to abandon someone. Don't abandon the assembling of others with others. And then another time Jesus said, Hebrews 13, 5, I will never ever leave you or forsake you. I will not abandon you. This word, same one here. Assemble together. The church was born together. 
we enter the body of Christ and we're a social group. No way getting around that. As is a habit of some, sad to say, it was the custom they had, people had gotten into this bad habit of not going to church, not attending church services for some reason. Don't know exactly why, but if you're persecuted, I mean, that'd be an easy one to figure. Well, if I go to church, people are going to see me. I'm going to get you know, ostracized at my job or whatever. Third thing, encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching or drawing near. So third area is encouraging one another. Oh, during this time of COVID, this is this is really taking a hit, I think, on a lot of us. We don't get to see each other, don't get to be not face-to-face -face encouragement. But even whether there's COVID or no COVID, doesn't matter. Jesus is telling us through this text is to encourage one another. And we've got to think about how to do that. Consider how to do these three things. Stimulate, encourage that, that way. Don't forsake. Figure out how to get to into uh, social groups together. Third, how to encourage one another because the day is near. Jesus could be coming any moment. Who knows? And it's a nice cloudy day. The sun just broke out right now. Wouldn't it be glorious if Jesus came right out of the clouds right now and we could see him and we just go buzz right up in the air, wouldn't we, Vivian? <laughs> that would be so cool, huh? Well, it says, first thing, let us draw near. All church-age believers are to constantly and confidently draw near to God. That's what we're to do. Don't stop. Keep it up. Constant. Day after day. Week after week. Month after month. Year after year. That is what we're to do. To draw near to God. For he will draw near to you. James says that very clearly. Oops. Second. All church age believer priests are to constantly hold fast to their doctrinal convictions. We are a people of the faith. Wherever you go, people know us by a couple of things. By our love, Christians are known by our love. They know us by our singing. Wherever you go in the world, they know Christians sing. That is an amazing, say, tusa in Chinese. It's a characteristic of us. But they also know we die for our faith. We have a faith. We believe in the Word of God. It is firm, and we will not waver from that. And no matter what happens, and that's what's very difficult for many people. Uh, to how to accept us because we believe there's only one way of salvation there's not two or three or four or multiple there's only one way that's through jesus that's our conviction third let all church believers or all church believer priests are constantly we're at this job we're at this activity stimulating other church members participating in church activities remember the text didn't actually say worship service did it this is assembling, maybe small groups, maybe choir, maybe getting together Bible studies, maybe getting together women's studies, men's studies, uh, youth activities, whatever. Doesn't matter. We're getting, we're at the the idea of getting together, and when we can't do it personally like this, then we have to do it virtually or other means. We've got to think about that. Third, encouraging believers and people. When you're lonely and off by yourself. It is very easy to get discouraged. Today, I want to finish with a couple of applications. For the first readers, the Hebrew church, why is a reader or writer including himself in these commands? 
Well, I don't know exactly. I'd like to sit down with him and talk to him someday. But he's saying, I am just like you, brothers and sisters. I have same t similar issues as you, and we need to do it together. It's something we do. Let us all go for these things. Second, would the first readers be fearful or tentative about drawing near to God in the temple? I think so. The common believer, he if you weren't a Levite priest, you couldn't even get near the inside of the temple area right there. So, yes, a common person to go inside the very Holy of Holies, no way you'd be scared to death because you'd die right in there. But well, they need to know, as a Christian, you don't have to be afraid. Why would the readers need to be encouraged to hold fast their faith system? I think probably persecution is one of the main things. Here. Number four. Were some of the Hebrew believers not participating in church-sponsored activities? I think so. The text just told us, not as a habit of some, some of them were out of that habit. Brothers and sisters, let's don't do that. Even with COVID on, let's don't be, let's don't fall into this one. We don't need to. We need to think of how to get together with other people more and more. Now, what about us 2020 readers, Grace Point Church? Are you constantly drawing near to God day after day? Yeah, some days more, some days less, but we're in a posture of leaning in, leaning toward God. That is the main thing. Let's keep at it. Two, do you have doctrinal convictions that you are willing to die for? Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the only way. The Bible has no errors. Jesus Christ is coming again. Those are things, yep, you can, you can tell me not to go to church because COVID is on. You can do that, no problem. But tell me not to believe in Jesus, not to worship him. Put me in jail or do what you want. I'm not going to change. Those are convictions. We need to hold fast those convictions. Three, in what ways are you stimulating other Grace Point believers during COVID-19? I've already seen a number of them. Some people are writing letters, actually written letters, sending them to other people. I know Pastor Gary was greatly encouraged recently by one. It's wonderful. The things that are going on, keep it up. Be creative. Think of all different kinds of things. This is a day and age where we can apply this text in a very personal way. Brothers and sisters, I'd love to be with you. And we will soon. But no matter, we are the bride of Christ. We are his church. We are actually today celebrating the birth of his church. And we have the privilege of being a part of that. We're brothers and sisters together. I'm going to leave you with this from the word of God. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and your soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 May God bless you and use you greatly in these days. Thank you. Please stand as the church scattered worships together.